0: what's going on guys another day another week it is sunday july 22nd episode 6 of rookie mistakes thanks for tuning in hope everyone had a great weekend i just got done going down a rabbit hole of unproductivity finally was able to get out of it really just sapped my energy for the day i don't know why i did it but started off watching the in my feelings challenge for those of you that don't know what that is it is a challenge where people i guess get out of their cars and dance to the in my feelings song by drake which is one of his new songs on his album or on his new album that's funny it's one of his new songs on his new album it's great english there connor but anyways i watched that and it just amazed me at the stupidity of these people these challenges just seem to get more crazy and crazy with all the time that passes a couple of thoughts one these people are getting out of their cars making it seem like oh this song just came on right it's such a good song that i have to get out of my car that i'm driving and dance there's two types of videos there's the ones with the people that actually get out of their car and there's no one else in the car, and so they dance, and that's stupid because clearly then you have no one driving your car, even if it is going super, super slow. And then you have the other people that have people in the car with them and they're recording them do the dance, but they're also staring at the wheels. So that's not even that's fake too. Both situations are stupid. Not to hate on the song or anything, because I think the song's really good. I love the song, it's just this stupid challenge. I've seen fail videos now and it's kind of makes sense because I was wondering when I first started watching these videos I was like oh someone's definitely gonna get hit by a car or there's gonna be a car crash happy to report so far I haven't found any videos where someone actually gets hit by a car there's two of them out there but they're fake of course where the guy I guess edits it to look like he gets hit by a car but it's not actually real. I saw this one video of a guy who was standing on top of his motorcycle and doing the dance to the song that guy's an idiot. And then other people were driving their cars. In drive, they weren't in neutral because a lot of the, the smart people put the car in neutral so it just kind of slowly goes along, I think is what happens. I mean, yeah, clearly that's what's happening is it's in neutral because those are the ones in the driver's seat getting out of the car. So yeah, it has to be in neutral. But Then there's other people who are actually driving somewhat fast. And so when the person gets out of the car to go dance, They end up falling and eating shit because no shit, you can't get out of a moving car and expect to just stick the landing and start dancing along. But yeah, started out there. I also wondered, I don't know if anyone else ever wonders this, but all these challenges that happen, it makes me curious. All these social media, what are these like viral video type things that people do? I always wonder what is the actual thing that starts them. So I looked into this one and apparently this guy named Shiggy, don't know who that is. Maybe that means that I just am not in touch with today's social scene or pop culture but he is some good dude who is just dancing on the street and he's pretty famous because he's got 1.6 million followers which is probably why it went viral but he's just dancing in the song having a good old time everyone's screaming in the background like it's the greatest thing ever like he's solved world hunger it's good but it's not that good i also don't know why it became a thing where everyone's always doing it in a car and then getting out of the car and dancing because in his video he doesn't do that but who knows kiki though kiki needs to kiki needs to just go home because it's getting a little old everyone does the same thing over and over again like the first few are cool and really creative right and then other ones suck because it's just the same thing or it's bad and then you have the people that continue to push the envelope because they just want that shock factor like the guy on the motorcycle that did it that's the only one i've seen of that also saw a guy doing it on an airplane that was, in, I think, in flight. I would imagine it was in flight. I really do give that guy props, though, because he had the, whatever you want to call it, the arrogance or the zero Fs mentality of just dancing on a full flight to the song and everyone's literally staring at him and he just doesn't care. I don't think I could do that. Wish I could. I think that is actually a good quality to have about not caring in general about most things that would be one of them where I think not caring is a good thing but yeah so we started there and then had to go down the rabbit hole even more don't know how I got there but there is this YouTuber named Fusi. he was a popular YouTuber I think of few years ago or so he just did prank videos and all that crap basically fake videos prank videos nothing really of value in my opinion never watched his youtube channel so maybe that shouldn't be judging him or anything he was in australia a week ago maybe a week and a half at this point he was doing a live show and he noticed that he didn't have as many people that showed up long story short he is not as successful as he used to be and he decides to throw this live event in la at the at some theater rents it out for a hundred thousand dollars. And he makes all these promises that all these celebrities are gonna be there, like LeBron James and blah blah blah, and there's these rappers that are gonna be there, Drake's gonna be there and all this shit. So event happens, he thinks it's gonna be the biggest thing ever. It's to uh I I think it's to spread love and positivity and to basically get rid of hate and all this, you know, really nice sounding stuff supposed to be sold out the whole entire theater apparently he thinks it's going to be live streamed with two million people watching it that's his goal that doesn't happen no one really shows up and it actually gets shut down because someone called in a bomb threat fake of course so it got shut down before it could really even get started so who really knows what it could have been i guess to be fair to him but of course Draker, lebron james none of those people actually showed up which was a lie obviously controversial story because a lot of people think he's just doing it because his career is in the tank and he wants to get it back up. And this is his kind of method for doing it. But I've been watching a lot of podcasts episodes with him on it and just people reacting to what's happened. Give you the the short version again. He basically wants to now become a, a self-help speaker and he wants to write a book and his goal is to sell a hundred million copies of that book He's all about positivity and love now. Screw hate. Doesn't want to hate. Really put me in a bad mood watching this guy because he's very hypocritical with what he's saying about this spread love. And then he's constantly attacking the people that are kind of like when he's talking to these people and they're pushing back on him. He's getting really fired up and arguing and calling them names and all this stuff. And then he's like, it's coming from a place of love. It's not me being negative because it's coming from a place of love. Imagine someone tells you, one of your friends, you suck at your job, but it's coming from a place of love. Or you're a terrible parent, but don't worry, it's coming from a place of love. It's just so hypocritical. He just wasn't genuine at all, in my opinion. Kind of a side note to that, too, is he has a problem with depression. I don't know if he still has it, but he has in the past, and he also studies bipolar. And a lot of people think he's going through a manic episode, which might actually be true because he has a lot of the signs of that so it's kind of sad honestly for him hopefully he figures it out don't know if he's going to it really put me in a terrible mood because it's just that represents everything in my opinion that's wrong with social media just that whole story but I just couldn't stop watching for whatever reason and I guess I'm the sucker in the end right because he's able to keep me watching him what else happened then I went down a rabbit hole of This guy, Ice Poseidon, who is the shock factor live streamer, he was originally on Twitch and now he's on YouTube and he basically just live streams the life and all these things happen to him because he's constantly on camera. So I just went from video to video to video, all these crazy videos. I just could, I couldn't stop watching. And so, yeah, it's been six hours. Here we are. I'm finally able to uh, record this podcast at what time is it? 5:41. Nice waste of my day. Pretty uneventful week overall. I had Korean barbecue for the first time finally after a month. It's been a whole month, and I finally had Korean barbecue because I actually had someone to go to eat it with. Because Korean barbecue is not really something you do by yourself. The guy who Airbnb I'm staying at right now, his apartment. We went to be Korean barbecue. It was really really good I was looking at it very doubtful as it was being prepared thinking wow what did I get myself into this doesn't look very good how am I going to stomach eating all this food and it was like I said amazing so thumbs two thumbs up for Korean barbecue I get why it's so popular now did that and the only other thing that happened which was the grossest experience of my entire life I'd have to say I'm not a person that gets grossed out very easily by anything. Some people will throw up if they smell something really bad or if they see something or if they eat something, right? I'm not like that at all. I'm pretty good. But with this specific scenario, I've never been closer to throwing up in my life. I was so disgusted. Sitting on the train or the uh, the metro, going somewhere, a few days ago, I'm just in my own little head, you know, listening to a podcast in my thoughts, and I'm thinking about how, which is which is this is part this part's really funny because it's just it's just oh man, it's just so glorious. I'm thinking about how clean it is on all the public transportation in Seoul, how clean it is in most places, and how everyone's very put together here in general. Everyone keeps to themselves. There's really no homeless people anywhere from what I've seen so far. I'm sure there's homeless people, obviously, in Seoul, but I hadn't seen any up until that point. Lo and behold, I notice out of the corner of my eye, finally, the guy's been sitting in the whole time I've been on the train, but I didn't notice him until this point. He's sitting two seats down from me on my right. I look down and I'm greeted with this sight of, I don't even know how how to describe it. His left leg was humongous, not in a good way, like he was jacked. It was super swollen, probably infected. The only way I can describe it is, you know, Popeye's arms, how they're kind of disproportionate and weird looking like that shape. That's what his legs looked like. And his other leg was completely normal, his right leg. So I see this and then I start looking more and there's all these cuts all over his legs and scabs and kind of dried blood And then the worst part, there's this kind of, I don't know, I don't know if it's a fungus, but there's this black layer all over his foot on his, it's part of his skin, right? So I'm kind of going back and forth, out of the corner of my eye looking at him, getting really grossed out and looking away. And of course, I can't take my eyes off of it. So I keep going back and forth. I'm looking, I'm looking away, I'm looking. Then I notice that that black crap he's itching off of his, his foot is actually falling onto the ground it's literally like he's peeling the skin just by itching his foot and it's all these little flakes. these little black flakes are going all over the ground and it's literally the grossest thing I've ever seen I was almost dry heaving and I, I thought I was going to throw up I had I had probably like 15 more stops to go I don't know how I got through it it was honestly mm, blah, 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 blah. It was terrible so so bad I only had two three thoughts really One, it was disgusting, right? Two, second thought, the more compassionate, more empathetic thought. First, I thought, how is this guy doing this right now? Like, clearly, he should know that this is not acceptable behavior. He's itching his disgusting foot, and then he's touching the seats and touching his face. And it's just clearly very unhygienic and not very polite. Then I start to think maybe he had a tough life. Clearly, he's probably homeless. Maybe he didn't have parents to teach him about normal behavior and things like that. Maybe he has a mental illness. Who knows? I started thinking about all that. So I really tried to be empathetic to it. But I just I I was so grossed out, man. I was so so grossed out. I I really debated. I debated for about 10 minutes if I wanted to just get up and stand. Clearly, he wasn't anywhere near me, really. he was two seats down. So he was far enough away from me. But I just I was so grossed out. I thought about just standing in the rest of the 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 ride because I didn't want to be near him at all. And by the way, this was when I was moving to the new Airbnb. So I had my entire luggage and my backpack with me. It was just not a good day for that to happen. Last thought I had, which is the more, this is the more, this is the Connor thought we'll say. This is, is, these are the things that go through my mind. Gun to my head. Someone tells me you can take a bullet and die, or you can lick that guy's foot. I don't even need to think about that. I'm freaking taking the bullet in the head, man. There's no way I'm looking at that foot. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, that's a little dramatic, Connor. Obviously, your life is worth more, blah, blah, blah. You didn't see this guy's foot. I really thought about taking a picture of it just so I could show people, but I didn't want to be rude. And I thought he, I don't know, when stuff like that happens, I always think about taking a photo. But then there's that there's that worry that maybe you're going to get caught in the act and then it's going to be really awkward. So I didn't want to get caught by him, especially with the foot situation going on. So I didn't take a picture, but it was literally disgusting. I think. I just have to call it GG on life at that point. If I was ever in that scenario, that's never going to happen. For anyone that doesn't know, GG is good game. So yeah, that was quite the experience. Now to get into the stuff that actually matters and is relevant and useful to people that are listening, hopefully at least it's relevant. Today on the episode, I wanted to talk about three things because they all go hand in hand and they're very important to becoming successful in my opinion. Those three things are momentum, routine, and goal setting. I want to talk first about momentum. Like I mentioned either on episode four or five, I briefly mentioned I played college baseball. I think the greatest thing that my college baseball coaches did and still do that is very valuable and something that I don't think any other teams in the country whether it's division one division two division three NAIA none of these schools really teach this it's about momentum our coaches make it a very our coaches I love how I like pretend. I'm pretending that I still play college baseball (laughs) Um, (laughs) the coaches really stressed momentum and that's what they talked about a lot because sports in general, not just baseball, it's all about momentum. If you look at a game, there's constant momentum shifts back and forth between both teams and generally the team that has the momentum the longest is the team that wins. More often than not is the case. Sometimes freak stuff happens, but more often than not, the team wins. We learned a lot about being able to recognize situations where momentum has shifted from us to the other team. And then from there, it became very important for us to try and get the momentum back in our favor. And we just learned about all these different situations that could happen throughout the course of a baseball game, which were momentum shifts. We kept track of this throughout our games. They had a scoring system where we had all these things that we kind of strive to achieve throughout the games and execute on, like uh, throwing first pitch strikes or getting the first runner out, not walking people double plays turned all these different things right and so we they have all different point values and at the end of the game the goal i think if i remember correctly was to get at least 100 points and the pattern that you found was that normally when we got to 100 points or more we won the game because that was just a representation to show that we were doing all the things that we needed to be doing for us to be successful just as a quick example for momentum in baseball one of the really important things is to get the first batter out of every inning because if a batter gets on with no outs, then the other team can move that runner to second by either bunting him over like a sacrifice bunt or hitting it to the you know, right side of the field, like whatever it may be, right? Usually it's a, it could be a bunt depending on how the team plays their style of baseball. It's really important to get that first out so then the the, the other team can't do that and then there's not a runner in scoring position. So that's, the goal, right? Get the first batter out. The problem then becomes, let's say that batter gets on base, whether it's uh we'll just say it's, he gets on first base, he gets a single, right? Well, one, we needed to recognize that that was a shift in momentum. And then two, then it became our goal to stop the momentum in the tracks there and get the momentum back. And so what that meant was, in our example of the runner getting on first base was then to get a double play, or get a strikeout it became really important that the other team couldn't continue their momentum by getting another hit or moving the guy over and getting him in scoring position so for every player then it was very very critical that they really focused even more and put in more effort intensity like they really locked into that situation in that moment because that was a moment that we needed to get the momentum back You'd see throughout these games examples of this happening where you'd get the momentum back, you get a huge double play. Maybe there's bases loaded and there's one out, so you need the double play to get out of the inning, right? And that's like a huge momentum shift. There's differing degrees of momentum shift. Some could be smaller, some could be bigger. Also depends what time of the game it is. This was something that I think is invaluable and I don't know if anyone who's played for the school or even the coaches for that matter think about that in terms of life but that's something I started doing maybe eight months ago or so where I apply it apply these these ideas that the coaches taught me for baseball this idea of momentum and I've applied that to life and kind of looked at how all these different things happen throughout your day that could either lead to positive or negative shifts in momentum and then also about building positive momentum into your life Just looking at examples in the real world, we'll just use eating and sleeping because those are really easy examples. Think when you go to sleep. If you go to bed really late at night, let's say you go to bed at three in the morning and you have to wake up at 8 a.m. for work the next day. Well, you're putting yourself into a situation where you have negative momentum going into that day because you didn't get good sleep. And because you didn't get good sleep, one, you're going to be really tired you're not going to be as focused. You're probably going to be crabby. You're probably going to have less willpower and discipline that day. And it's just, I mean, clearly it's, it's not healthy, right? So you're already starting the day off poorly. So when you do that, then it makes everything you do throughout the day when you're feeling like crap, it's making it even worse because when you're in that state, then you have to draw even more from yourself, whether it's more willpower, or discipline or energy you almost have to give more to actually get the things done that you need to get done because you're already in such a bad state of mind to where it's hard enough as it is because you're tired, you just have no energy. So you have to take you have to just bring more out of yourself and sometimes you can't do that. And then even if you're able to do that, then it's like the pool of your of willpower that you have is less and less and the the discipline that you have is less and less for that day. And so then in other areas it's hard to be disciplined or have willpower. That brings that to food, right? So we're talking about creating this this cycle that can be created of negative momentum. So you went to bed late, you're exhausted, you had a horrible day at work, you had to make all these decisions, blah, blah, blah. You had to use more willpower and discipline because you're already just in a bad place. Well, when you eat then and like the decisions you make eating, you're not going to have the willpower to make healthy decisions or the discipline because you're using it in other areas. And For anyone that doesn't know, willpower is actually finite. It works like a muscle, like you can train willpower to become stronger, and you have only so much that you can use throughout a day. Then you eat unhealthy, and then that makes things even worse, because when you eat unhealthy, once again, usually bad mood, mental fatigue, mental fog, you feel really lethargic and groggy after you eat a big meal, or you feel bloated, you just don't feel good, right? These things happen and you're creating this pattern in your life, these patterns in your life. And I've done this myself. You We create these patterns in our lives where you're just constantly in neg- a state of negative momentum that it's really hard to get out of it and do productive things that you want to do. Tying momentum into goal setting. Most people set unrealistic goals that they cannot achieve not that they can't ever achieve them, but they can't achieve them at the time that they set them because it's just not realistic. So let's continue. Let's use working out. It's a great example. So we're going to use working out. Let's say you've never worked out before and you want to start working out. You want to get healthier. You want to put some muscle on whatever you say, okay, I'm going to start working out and I'm going to work out six days a week. Well, setting a six day a week Workout schedule for yourself is probably a terrible idea because you're not going to be able to stick to that because it's just unrealistic. And even if you stick to it for a few weeks, it's going to be really hard to maintain. What a better goal would be is let's say you start working out and your goal is two days a week. And once you get two days a week down, then maybe you up it to three. And then when you up it to three, maybe you up to four, right? And it's about, like I said, it's creating consistency and it's creating momentum in a positive direction. And then once you have that momentum, it's really easy to do then because you're feeling good, right? You're doing the things you need to be doing. And then that's where routine comes in. So you have good momentum in a right direction You have realistic smaller goals that you can actually achieve. And as you're doing these things on a daily basis, that's when routine comes in. And then you create these routines, right? And then once you've created a routine, it becomes habit. And then it's just something you're doing and not really thinking about. It does become easier to follow let's say this workout plan right let's say you're working out three days a week but back to what i was talking about with momentum in baseball when the momentum shifts you have to recognize that it's shifting and you have to put extra effort in to make sure you get that momentum back so the, as a workout example maybe you've worked out two days a week so far and you're on your third workout day it's not like you're sore really or injured or anything like that let's just say you're tired right and you really don't work want to work out you're like you're really dreading it well you need to recognize in that moment that this could be this is like a potential shift in the momentum back in a negative direction and it could potentially break up the routine and then you can fall into a, a rut where you're not working out like this is this has happened to me a lot When I used to work out like in high school, I was super into working out. I'd work out six days a week. I'd get into a routine. I'd work out no matter what. But if I ever miss that one workout for whatever reason, like maybe I just didn't have enough willpower that day and then maybe I skip another one and then you start to justify, oh, I can skip this workout and oh, I'll go to the gym the next day and all this stuff, right? And then all of a sudden for me... I haven't worked out in three weeks at all. And it's really easy for me to stay in the routine. And I think this is the case for most people. But once you get out of the routine, it's really, really hard to get back in and get that momentum back. So that's why it's really important to recognize when the routine and the momentum can go in a negative direction. And so then you have to draw upon, you have to look within and draw more out of yourself to make sure that you're actually working out for that day. That's just an easy example, but this idea can be applied to everything throughout your daily life. Then going along still with this idea of routine and then goal setting again, but Instead of small goals, creating small goals to then get to bigger goals and these small wins and things like that and having realistic expectations while looking at bigger goals, the bigger goals you have in your life, you're not going to probably be able to achieve without some type of routine because routine is really important because it makes you really productive on the one hand. But on the other hand, it also eliminates a lot of the bull crap that you have to deal with throughout your days. That's why if you look at really high level performers, they all have routines. Tim Ferriss, his podcast, he always asked the people he's interviewing, he always asked them what their morning routines look like. And as his podcast became more and more popular, when people would go on the podcast, they'd know if that was a question that he'd ask. And so they were always really excited about answering that question for whatever reason, because I guess people just want to share their morning routine like it's the coolest thing ever. And because everyone has their kind of own unique thing they do, right? And it becomes this cool thing that only I do. And people love to share crap like that. The thing they talk about is how decision fatigue, that's a huge thing, especially today in the world we live in. There's so many different decisions you're bombarded with every single day. What do you want for dinner? What clothes do I want to buy? If you're a parent, there's 500 freaking schools that my son or daughter can go to. problem with this is as you make warm decisions throughout the day, talking like I said earlier about you only have so much willpower, You don't have so much discipline. Well, you start to get decision fatigue. It becomes harder and harder to make good decisions. And so what routine does for you is it eliminates a lot of the things that don't really matter in your life so that you have that extra decision making capability to use towards the things that matter. In this case, talking about your career goals, we'll say. Good example of this is Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg. They both wear the same thing every single day. Because the decision of deciding what to wear in the morning, that is tapping into your decision-making capabilities for the day. So that was something that they eliminated because, like I said, they wanted to be able to use that towards their businesses. Really look at your lives. And this is something I need to do also. Look and see if there's any areas in your life where you can remove things. Basically removing things that aren't productive because it creates decision fatigue on the one hand and then two if you get into a place where you're constantly in a routine you fall into a pattern and it's really mentally freeing because you're constantly doing the same things every day and personally i hate routine like the idea of doing the same things every single day right and having your your process down like that sounds absolutely awful to me but the more and more i've traveled and the more i've kind of worked on these things that I want to do with my life, the more I've recognized that routine is really important. And so kind of talking about me now where I've been struggling in creating routine before it was really hard to create routines in Europe because staying in hostels all the time, it's really hard to sleep. And that's been a big issue for me sleep in general, which is where good routine making and positive momentum. It all starts with your sleep in Europe. When you're in hostels all the time people are coming back late maybe it's just not a comfortable situation to where it's just hard to sleep for some people right that's the case for me so it was always really hard for me to go to bed and i go to bed at like two or three in the morning usually and I'd end up waking up at 10, 11 o'clock, and then I end up leaving at 12. And I've already lost realistically four hours of my day. If I'm gonna start my day, let's say at eight, which is probably what I am going to end up doing. So you're already in like you're already in negative momentum for the day, right? Because I've already lost four hours. I'm already in negative momentum for the day, because I've already lost four hours. I'm tired. And everything that I want to do for the day is basically just pushed back. Now that I'm in Asia, my approach has changed to where I'm staying in Airbnbs. So I don't have to deal with that hostile aspect. But I'm also still going to sleep late, which isn't good. I think for me personally, I'm just I'm more of a night owl. I really I feel like I feel the most optimistic and energetic and happy I've realized at night and my mind is just constantly going a million miles an hour and I have a really hard time turning it off because that's when I'm constantly thinking of ideas and just reflecting on things. It's at night so it's really hard for me to actually go to sleep. That's something I really need to work on because I'm never going to be able to actually get into a good routine if I can't do that. Basically what I am looking at for me just as an example of what a routine might look like from my perspective. One thing I've really realized is how important it is to focus on the actual skill building and the actual content building of what I'm trying to do. That's the podcasting and the blog. Before, I was really focused on Instagram about gaining a following and all of that. I thought that I'd build this audience that way and then that would funnel them into my blog and My podcast. What I've realized is that's not a good strategy. What should be happening is I have to basically offer people value. And the only way I'm going to offer people value is by providing them with content that's valuable. So it's one getting the blog up and running, which I don't have yet, literally don't have the website made, have about four articles done, and then it's having the podcast. So what my day is going to look like or what it needs to look like is focusing entirely on that. What I'm thinking is wake up around 8 a.m. Go to Starbucks by nine, sit in Starbucks all day working on articles and the blog and ideas like that, basically figuring out how I'm going to actually provide value to people. And by doing that, once I get the blog and the podcast more popular, then I'll get followers from that and then those can funnel into my Instagram account, which is the approach I'm going to take now. So Starbucks until four and then dinner my one meal of the day, which will be a glorious time. And then after that, I could either go back to wherever I'm staying and work more or do it at Starbucks again, which would cost more money. So I don't know if I'm going to do that, honestly. I really do like Starbucks, though. It's such a peaceful place to work at. I'm sure some people might be thinking, oh, why don't you go to like mom and pop coffee shops or the cool places in korea and i'm just uh i'm just all about that big business when it comes to starbucks i really really love the vibe in starbucks it's a great environment to work in that's like a rough estimate of what i'm thinking i mean i clearly i could get into more detail and i probably will when i get into the routine but yes that is the routine i need to create once again the key is to not try and build this insane routine to follow right away it's about Picking one thing, and I'd recommend this to anyone. It's about setting small goals, and then those small goals become bigger goals. You create momentum, and then you have your routine. It's about picking the one thing to focus on and then become consistent with that, and then you can move on to something else. With me, it's going to be going to bed early and getting on a really good sleep schedule, and then I can continue to add things in as I go along. And then one day, hopefully, I will be a success. We will see though. I really do think this is going to be key for me in order to get on the path to achieving my goals. This is really the secret sauce to me is understanding all of this because once again, people have these high expectations or these big, vast plans or goals of what they should be doing or what they could be doing in the future. And then they get discouraged by it because it's so grandiose while I just, dropped grandiose look at me it's so grandiose that they just don't think they can do it because they don't know how to approach it and so it's always about simplifying and making things as small as possible making them as easy as possible and that's something i'm really starting to learn and then once you get that small stuff going that creates the momentum it creates positive mindsets so many good things that come from all of that and one day you're going to wake up and be who you want to be and hopefully i will too I think that's going to be the end of the episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave a review if you want. I don't really know what media outlet I should actually be advertising on my Instagram bio. I was originally advertising Apple Podcasts in my bio... It was funny because I waited basically two weeks to release the podcast because I was waiting for approval from Apple. And I had the thought the other day that I shouldn't be advertising Apple as in, in my bio, like the podcast, through that outlet because the iPhone's not the most popular phone in the world. One, my audience is outside the U.S. for the most part. think 24% of it's from the U S so most of the world uses Android. And then I actually looked into the statistics of what market shares were of iPhones versus Android. And it's actually a significant amount in favor of Android. So it's really not that smart to be advertising the Apple podcast, but now my dilemma is, well, which one should I advertise on my Instagram bio? Because there's so many different apps for podcasting on the Android service. I think that's just another reason why I need to get my blog done. So I could just advertise my blog on my bio and then advertise the podcast on the blog. Easy peasy. That would make life way better. Listen to it wherever you can and subscribe there. Leave a review there. That would be wonderful. It would be very helpful to me. Social media, Conjay Hancock is my Instagram. Hancock at gmail.com is my email i'm still waiting for someone to email me a question or something i wonder how long it's gonna take i feel like now that i've said it someone might email me just because i'm throwing out a challenge into the world i think i'm probably not gonna get an email from someone god i probably for at least 30 days I honestly don't even know if anyone's going to interact with me. Like, I wonder, you know what? I don't even care about the email. I wonder who's going to leave the first review. That's what I'm curious about. Like, how many days is going to take or how many episodes is it going to take for me to actually get my first review? That is a better question. I'm going to say how many episodes? Let's go with episodes. I'm going to say it's going to take. 16 episodes before someone leaves a review so we'll see maybe that's challenging and now someone's gonna do it and they're gonna leave the worst review ever and i'm I'm just gonna have a a zero out of five or oh can you even give a? can you give a review on something with zero stars or do you have to give one i don't even know yeah i'm gonna have like the worst reviewed podcast ever just with that one review because someone's gonna say screw you connor but yeah hope everyone has a wonderful week i will see you guys next week thanks again for listening take care